So I am a cast member and uh, co-creator of the podcast Mission to Zix, uh, currently in its fifth and last season. And I think it's been downloaded over 8 million times. Uh, it's an improvised science fiction podcast, which I know is niche, but people seem to like it. And uh, yeah, before that, uh, I was doing improv for a decade at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater every Saturday night on the stage. And now I do improv into a microphone. That's Winston Knoll, Associate Creative Director at Ogilvy, New York, and cast member and co-creator of the Mission to Zix podcast. And I'm Mark Hartsman, Creative Director, Copywriter, Author, Weird Historian, and right now your host of Besides Ads, a podcast about the remarkable things people in advertising do outside of advertising, like Winston Knoll. Hi, Winston. Thanks for joining Besides Ads. Good to have you here. Mark, thanks so much for having me. This is, I, I, we, we were talking and saying, I was saying this was a really great idea for a podcast. So I'm very happy to be here. Thanks. Well, just so people know, you're the guy who actually kind of, you and, and another friend, Doug Latino, really got me going on doing a podcast to begin with a little over a year ago, my Weird Historian podcast. So thanks for giving me the push to get this kind of thing going. Appreciate it. Oh, well, yeah, no, it's like I said, it's really, I hope really you're having fun doing it. Um, I think it's fun and kind of an interesting, I, I don't know if you've had trouble explaining it to people. They're like, so it's like a radio show, but you know, you save it or, you know, like it's not on the radio. It's like always kind of funny to try to explain it to people. I love that it's a thing again. When I was a kid, my dad used to listen to old time radio shows every Sunday on the radio. They'd play them from like the, from the forties and mostly the forties. And he'd always want me to listen. So sometimes I'd sit and listen to these old shows, like the inner sanctum and the great Gildersleeve. And, and it was kind of fun, you know, (laughs) it was like a kid. I was like, ah, but, but some of them I kind of liked and I'm glad I was exposed to it. And now it's, it's like that all over again. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. Yeah, it is like everything old is new again, right? Like it's definitely, I think people are like, oh, it's a dead, radio is dead. But it's like, no, there is something, I don't know, it's just is reborn in kind of an, a new weird way. Yeah, oh, it's great. I mean, it's great when you have any kind of commute or anything, you can just sit and listen and discover something interesting. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about Mission to Zix. So in a nutshell, I mean, you kind of said this in your intro. Uh, it's a humorous sci-fi podcast. You guys do it totally improv but let's give us more of a, a rundown about the show, the different characters, and how this whole yeah. thing got started. Totally, totally. So our show takes place in a galaxy far from our own and in a specific part of the galaxy called the Zix Quadrant. And our main characters are um, are kind of an ambassador team that is kind of tasked with meeting people within this crazy galaxy. And um, so we have kind of, we're all big Star Wars fans. So we kind of, when we sometimes introduce to our, and we always interview a guest. And so our guest is somebody who is an improviser or a comedian that we like, and they kind of pitch an idea of like, I want to be the, you know, mayor of the planet or something. And we're like, okay, so, so we kind of create everything with them. And yeah, it's this, it's kind of this misfit crew of kind of robots and aliens and humans and, and how they, they travel around in a spaceship that talks that used to be a hollow, a hollow wood star. And, you know, it's just silly, but it takes everything we love about sci-fi and kind of squishes it all together. 
Are you guys big Spaceballs fans as well? Oh yeah. I mean, I, so it's funny because we're, um, we're very into Star Wars and, uh, so it started with a friend of mine and I who were super into Star Wars and we'd seen another podcast that we really loved called Hello from the Magic Tavern, which is like an interview show set in a kind of tavern in like a type of Middle Earth place. And so we thought that's that's really fun and cool. What if we did it kind of in a sci-fi world? And so then we kind of started to get more people involved. And it wasn't just it was two other people. And then they asked maybe me. And then I, you know, it was kind of, it started just kind of growing and growing. And so now we have six people uh, and a sound engineer who is part of the group. How long have you been doing this now? I know you mentioned five seasons. It's your last season, but when did it all start? Yeah, we started in 2016 and it took a long time to kind of get started. We, we would, um, we sort of came up with the idea, then we all sat down and, and the way, I mean, it's different from normal improv or quote unquote normal improv because in normal improv, it's sort of like you change characters every scene. It's very different. This, we're like picking our characters and kind of sticking with them so the characters don't change. You know, it's like narrative, which is unusual. Um, So we kind of all picked what we wanted to do and then we sort of, you know, realized we had the right balance and then um, (laughs) like a lot of podcasts, like kind of recorded a few things, try to see which works, which doesn't, then tried to record record a bunch and then, and then put them all out. So I think a lot of people don't know that there is a lot that goes on. You're not just flipping on a mic. You're kind of figuring out the format, you know, before you actually, you don't just turn on the mic and then like throw it out into the world. You you get it ready before it debuts, you know? What is the process like? Like how, how do you work out the different plot lines? It's improv, of course, but how do you work out yeah. the different plot lines, the different gags? You kind of map out where you want to go and then you just find your way there? Yeah, it's a lot of that. It's sort of like... Episode to episode, well, we kind of have a structure for one episode where it's like a three-act structure, right? So it's us on the ship and then us meeting our guest and then us back on the ship. And so we just really figure out who is our guest and why would we go see them and then improvise around that and then improvise with our guest and then kind of do a recap based off of everything that happened. But then in terms of the seasons, you know, we'll have like, quote unquote, writers meetings where we're like, okay, how do we want this season? It's mainly how do we want the season to start and how do we want the season to end? And so we kind of steer it, you know, we're like, okay, this is how we want it to get, you know, how we want to get there. And um, we go from there. So it's it's not completely like the whole thing is not like completely improvised 100 percent. But most of it definitely is. And, and then the rest of it is more like sort of molds for like, let's get how do we get to where we want to go? Well, tell us a little bit about the characters that you're playing yeah. how, and how did you develop them? Sure. So the first season I decided to be a, um, I was kind of like, okay, I don't know. <laughs> Something was like, I'm not sure how much time I commit can commit. So I was like, I can be a lot of the ancillary characters and sort of play all the little bits. But the main character I, I was, was all the kind of stormtroopers. And so they're kind of all clones, you know, like in, in Star Wars. But the twist was like I, I wanted them all to hate one another and kind of like backbite each other, which I thought was funny because they're clones. They're clones. So they're the exact same, but they all think that the other ones are jerks, you know, that they're the only good ones. Um, so I thought that was kind of a funny twist on that. And so I played that and then kind of a lot of other characters. And then in the second season, I played a character called Bino. So 
this is kind of, he can edit this out if you want, but we had basically one guy give us in one of the episodes, we were like going after this relic and he's like, this relic is a bean. It's a warm bean. And we were like, okay. And he improvised that. And so we're like, well, that's what's happened. So we're, we took this bean around and then at the end of the season, the bean grew arms and legs. And, um, I basically patterned him off of all the kind of terrible characters from like eighties cartoons, like the character that's like, like scrappy do like the <laughs> character, like that is for the kids, like for little kids. And it's like kind of a merchandising ploy. So his whole thing was just to be really annoying, but fans ended up really loving him. So he kind of stuck around. And then in the third season, in order to kind of stay a little bit more like less of like a side character and more, a more, a little more permanent part of the group, I became one of the stormtroopers that defected and so his name is AJ and he now has been with the groups for the past now three seasons or season three, season four, and now in season five. So I, and I still play side characters every now and then. So I kind of, a lot of the people in the group have been the same character the entire time, but I sort of have floated around a little bit more. That sounds like it keeps it fun, keeps it fresh. Yeah, it's very fun. Um, and it's, yeah, it definitely has kept it fresh and kind of had a, a lot of different they're all the the two main characters I've played are very, very different from one another. And then also being kind of the random characters was a real challenge and trying to make everything sound different. Now, do you guys sit around together and record in like a, a open studio, like pre pandemic times, of course? Yes. Yes, we would do that. We were in a studio together and then our sound engineer was um, with us and had set something up in his apartment that we could all be a part of, which was really cool. Um, and we've had people who have been on in LA and then, you know, sometimes we do calls, you know, where so half the group would be in New York and half the group would be in LA. And so we'd, you know, do that. And sometimes some of our guests would be in LA, but most of the time we tried to be as in person as possible. And then, you know, we shifted to zoom, uh, during the pandemic. And how did it work with zoom? Was it, was it awkward? Did you lose any of the sort of magic that you get just by being in the same room and having the energy and bouncing off each other? Or did it still flow basically the same as it had before? That's a great question. I, I think we were really lucky that we had done the show for it was halfway through the fourth season that the pandemic hit. So we were already very knew each other, knew the characters really well. So it was it was harder, but it wasn't worse, if that makes any sense. Like, I don't feel like the quality of the show dipped but it was just harder to do. And instead of like, I'm super excited to go over to somebody's house and like eat Thai food and like joke around for an hour. It was more like I just closed my laptop for work and now I'm about to open my laptop to do it. Felt It just felt a little more like work and less more like fun, you know? Yeah. Um, but you're right. It does, it does help. At least you guys are all, you knew each other well. So I'm sure that that was a huge, yeah, a huge totally. Help for sure. Yeah, and definitely helped. And I think our first guest was somebody who has been a guest every single season. So we definitely eased in with comfort. And our sound engineer, Shane O'Connell, is like amazing. And we didn't really have as many technical difficulties as we thought we did were. And so, you know, it was that was always easier. I'm glad it worked out. How long? <laughs> yes. So you mentioned earlier that you've had 8 million downloads, which is really good. That's a lot. That's a lot of listeners. How yeah. how did you guys grow it and how long did it take to really get to a point where you had this consistent base of fans? Yeah, I think I, the 8 million is a very impressive number. I think for fans, we probably have like regular listeners, I would say between like 75,000 and 100,000 people like per episode, I think 
is roughly it. But the way we started was I had a contact at a network. So podcasts have all these for a listener that might not know. Uh, podcasts are a lot of podcasts are part of networks function the same way as a television network. They promote you and then you sell their ads. Um, so we started with a network called Audio Boom. And so they they provided us with promotion and we sold ads for them. And um, and we were there with them and were able to build a little bit of a following there. And then went from there to a network called Maximum Fun, which uh, Jesse Thorne from NPR runs. And so we were able to kind of grow our following from that. And then it has really been a lot of like word of mouth because uh, nobody in the cast is famous. And uh, I think that is why some podcasts are, I mean, they're great podcasts too, but like a lot of podcasts, they get off to a strong start because it's like a famous person. Right. Um, that helps. Yeah, it definitely does. And we, but we definitely grew through word of mouth, which was exciting. Yeah. It's amazing growth. I mean, congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah. Thanks. And it, it's, it took a long, it was always, there was never, we had one big, one big spike because one of the guys in the group works for NPR and he works specifically for This American Life. And at the end of one of the episodes of This American Life, Ira Glass is like, hey, uh, also, if you're interested, there's this podcast that one of the people here work on called Mission is X and it's really funny and you should go listen. And we had like a huge spike after that. We called that like the glass goose <laughs> that he like kind of like gave us a big spike in listenership. But other than that, um, it's been just kind of more of a steady kind of growth yeah. over the past four or five years. That's a great boost to get though. That's pretty cool. Oh yeah. I mean like kind of a podcast or a audio God, um, you know, gave us as a recommendation, which definitely helped. Yeah. Where does, I'm curious, where does Zix come from? Um, I, I don't know. I kind of was like, when they were naming it, I sort of was like, I don't care. I, you know, I was like, whatever you guys want to do. And I think I went on a trip and came back and they're like, it's, it's Zix. And I think we were trying to make it feel like the most, we sort of joke and call it like the ass end of space. Um, <laughs> and so like, it's okay if can I, yeah, uh, so, like, I think it's okay. So, okay. But like ZYXX, you know, is just sort of like the last of the alphabet. I think it was just trying to kind of make that feel like kind of an afterthought. I like that. They also kind of have that sort of sci-fi feel to those letters in particular, don't they? Yeah, it sounds super spacey, but yes. also sort of like, what, you know, so. Right. Now, you mentioned that you had a, a background in improv. You didn't just jump into this. You'd done 10 years at Upright uh, Citizens Brigade. Yeah. So I'm curious. So you were doing that. How did you find your way into advertising? Were you doing the improv first, kind of fell into advertising or vice versa? It was the first actually. So I was, I came to New York to be an actor and, um, I was working some jobs. I worked at an investment bank, not as a banker, but as somebody who made their PowerPoints for a couple years, uh, from five 30 to two in the morning. <laughs> and then, uh, then the financial That's crash fun. happened. Yeah, it was super fun. <laughs> super nice folks. <laughs> I bet. Uh, yeah. Um, I, you know, after the crash, I needed anything. I was you know, worried I wasn't going to be able to live here anymore. And a friend of mine was like, do you know what Twitter is? And I said, yeah, I know what Twitter is. And she's like, okay, would you want to like run a Twitter account? I was like, okay. <laughs> so I started running the Dancing with the Stars Twitter account. Oh my uh, gosh. That's so random. <laughs> yeah. And it was in like 2008 or nine. So it was only like 99 people 
that was how many followers they had. Wow. And they're like, it's a very small little group, but they're all very passionate. And so I started going from there and doing all these Twitter accounts. And then I kind of moved into social media strategy from there. And then I was at um, an agency called Iris. Um, they have a London office and a New York office. And uh, I sort of was doing my own writing at the time. And I had a very nice creative director who I said, you know, would you consider me as a copywriter? And she's like, well, let's have you like, and I said, well, here are my comedy pieces. And I like showed them I could write basically. And she's like, well, let's have you like shadow somebody for a month or two. And, you know, we'll see from there. And, um, yeah. So at the end of the time she was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's get you started. So I was really lucky that somebody kind of took a chance on me. So that's great. That's how I kind of ended up. Here you are. And here I am now. Yeah. But I never stopped doing all the, it was kind of a parallel path. Right. So, uh, I mean, improv pays you, um, $0. So, um, I was kind of doing that on the side while I was, you know, actually earning the opportunity to live here and do improv. So, right. I'm curious, does any of the nonsense from agency life, does that ever indirectly or maybe even directly work its way into the episodes? Um, Gosh, I'm really trying to think. There is like um, occasionally there's one character that's very bureaucratic and he assigns us the missions. And occasionally, I don't know, I feel like I have made an like an advertising joke before, but I honestly I should have really racked my brain, but I don't remember it. I think it's more just, you know, it's more just the interpersonal I think I've done it more in like in Upright Citizens Brigade uh, improv where you can like be in a boardroom, like doing a meeting. Uh, I do that a lot more than I think um, on the podcast, but I'm almost sure. Gosh, I'm who wants to listen to somebody try to think of what they've done. But uh, <laughs> I've but I feel like I have made a joke about that once before. OK, well, let's play a quick clip so people can hear a little bit from the show that we've been talking about. All right, guys, you ready for Magnificu? Oh, yes, I am. Let's do it. Get down on the ground. Get down on the ground. All hail the Federated Alliance. Yeah, all hail the Federated Alliance. You have your Federated Alliance identification card? We just sent it to the guy, the other one. That was the Federated Alliance identification code. He has asked for the Federated Alliance identification card. I need to see your fate. Okay. Here you go. That's a good fate. I'm uh, Plek Dexter. Uh, this is C-53, and this is Dark. Welcome, welcome. Uh, to Magnifico. Let, let me ask you one thing. Did you talk to F3940 up there? Yeah, he didn't give us his call sign, but that... Oh, that's so like him. That is so like him. Really? Yeah, he's super aggro, and he's always yelling, and... Yeah, thank you. See, I thought the same thing about that guy. He was... He was mean, you know? The thing, here's what's wrong with the other clients. They're... Between you and me. They're assholes. I mean... I have to agree with him. Yeah. Okay. There's just a lot of backbiting... Right. Right. I was in the Borg system. Right. And there was this Clint, and he was cool, and I thought we kind of got each other. Right, right. And then he told another Clint that I was an asshole. That guy you sounds, know what I mean? That guy sounds like he's the asshole, honestly. Mm -hmm. And sure, we all look alike and are the same height and the same weight, and we all have the same birthmark. Yeah. You're clones. Yeah, you're DNA clones. I mean, sure, genetically, but these guys, I am not like those guys. Right, sure. You know what I mean? Yeah, I get it. I feel like you have like a real, you know. I'm real. Do you yeah. know what I mean? See, yeah. I'm See? real. You're a real. I'm just a real, real guy. Yep. Listen, if 
you're going to be doing Federated Alliance business, there's only one person to talk to on Magnifico, okay. and that's Jack. Okay, great. Yeah, let's take take us to Jack. I'll do it. All right. I'll hail the Federated Alliance. Yeah, I'll hail the Federated Alliance. Okay. So that was really fun, and I love that it's based on a truth, that people really are assholes everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. No matter where you go, there will always be an asshole there. And that's what the show kind of is, is we're sort of taking these tropes from science fiction and kind of twisting them and having a little bit of fun with them. A lot like Spaceballs. Yeah, it's still like everyday everyday social situations, right? People are people, yes. even in outer space, the, the ass end of the galaxy. Right. Um, they're just in different situations. Absolutely, yeah. And it also makes it easier to improvise because, you know, you always have to come from a place of truth and like, you can still be kind of realistic, even though you're like a three-headed alien, if it acts like somebody that we recognize, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's still coming from experience, right? Exactly. Well, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Are uncreative creative recruiters slowly sucking away your creative soul? We get it. Unspirited encounters to ghosting can leave you spooked. Before you give in and get that real estate license, why not bust out your proton pack of side projects and submit to the Sideshow? Side projects are a great way to bust the sexism, racism, and other slimy-isms of the ad industry. Plus, you'll get seen by the same sets of eyes that judge it can to the one show without the pesky $1,300 fee. There's even a free social good category. Get seen with the only nonprofit that shows off your creativity outside the ad world. Get seen at The Sideshow. DJ, drop that Ghostbusters theme song we can't afford. Actually, don't. Please don't. Come see us at www.thesideshow.org. To get out in front, go through the side. Mr. Robot Man, what are you doing? I'm just taking one last look at my co-workers. Every journey comes to an end. Remember, Black, the space will be with you always. Sorry, who are you again? Master Kiarondo. Oh, right, right, right. Sorry. Just calling in. <laughs> Friendships will be tested. Die, you have to do it. You have to shoot Fleck. Okay. Well, you shot him so fast. Destinies will be fulfilled. I've become a complete bird. Oh, I'm flying. I'm flying. Guys, we don't have a choice. We have to put on a show. We can do it in the old barn. We've got the costumes. We've got a stage. We can do it, you guys. Mission to Zix. The final season on Maximum Fun. So Winston, sci-fi is known for its rabid fans. And you talked a little bit about having like 175,000 uh, per episode. But have you found that this fan base is is rabid? Are they like the Star Wars geeks and the Trekkies where they know every little detail of the show? Do they send you questions and want to know things that you don't even know what they're talking about? We are so lucky that we have a very nice fan base. We we are very in contact with them. We have um like a Discord, which is like, you know, a chat bot or a chat kind of like a Slack-esque kind of chat thing. And we actually have... If you join the maximum fun like subscription model and you go to a certain level, you can like join the discord and we're there and we like talk to fans and answer questions and are available, um, which is kind of fun. And 
yeah, they're just really sweet people whenever we've met them and they're just nice. And so that's been really good. Um, that's good. Do you run the Twitter account? Are you doing that job again? I, I do some of, I do a little bit of it. Uh, I kind of, we all, there's like a few of us on the handle. So we'll like, we'll rotate in. I know it does make me feel like I'm back in, back in the saddle. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we've been really pretty lucky and I think we've pretty much shut down whenever there's only been a few. So one of our characters is, um, omni gendered. Uh, and so is a they, them, it, like goes by they, them pronouns. And so occasionally we'll have somebody be a jerk about that, but that usually we stamp that out pretty quick. And then, um, I think it also has like attracted people who are, I don't know. I just, I think people saw some representation there that they weren't really seen four years ago, kind of gravitated to that. And then it's just a really gr good group of people. We are very, very lucky um, because you can also see in the interactions, you're like, oh, you could see how this could be really be tough if it went the wrong way, you know? Yeah. With sci-fi, you can have all kinds of people, right? I mean, you can yeah. have representation for, you know, what's here on Earth. Um, but then you can just make up all kinds of stuff and right. have all sorts of creatures getting along with all sorts of creatures and yeah. dealing with all kinds of issues, right? That's the whole, and we, I think made it like completely, you know, one of the rules is like, there's no earth, like no earth specific, we'll have like dogs and cats and things like that, you know, but like <laughs> for the, some reason those exist in this galaxy. Um, but we really try to keep it from earth. Cause I do think that helps. I mean, we definitely like have sat satire and, make i mean we've had people be like this show's political and we're like because we don't like a fascist government <laughs> we like make fun <laughs> of a fascist government it's like yeah i guess it is political you know so you'll get a few things like that and get like a bad rating but you know it's it's <laughs> well that's the internet for you right <laughs> yeah it's been really eye-opening and like i said I, we're just i know that's it sounds a little like pollyanna but it's like we're just very lucky even with like um the show ending like when we announced that the show was going to be in the final season, people were upset, but it was really refreshing that they were like, I totally get why they're doing it. I think it's a good idea, you know, like that kind of thing. And it's like, I mean, some people were upset and they totally have a right to be. But, you know, I, I just thought it was like, oh, wow, this is this just proves how nice our fans are. Um, so we're very lucky. That's cool. I'm sure all that stuff kind of helps just make the whole thing more enjoyable too. knowing that people appreciate it and that, oh, know, that, yeah. they're, that they're good people. <laughs> yeah, it goes I a mean, long way. And I'm not saying like, I do think occasionally a few of the uh, like the women in the cast, I think have sometimes at the very beginning, we're getting these weird, sometimes we get weird messages and stuff that we'd have to like, you know, what I mean, there people would get creepy. Creeps, but, yeah. Yeah. But I think that's kind of hopefully been rooted out. Well, that's good. Yeah. It's a scary world uh, with anonymity. It does really make you realize how like it, you do feel vulnerable, which I know sounds crazy, but it's like it is a very it's you know, it does. It's just a strange. So I yeah, like I said, it always feels like it's on a razor's edge and you could it's like, wow, this could this could go south. And if it does, it would be unpleasant. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad it sounds like it's been a, a positive experience overall. Yeah, definitely. You mentioned before all the improv, we talked about that. How does the improv, whether it's on stage um, or behind the mic with the podcast, how does it help you with your day job, Brian, the ads? Do you find it makes things easier? Is it like a, a switch in your brain or does it, what's, I, what's, how, how does one thing feed into the other? Yeah, I think it helps me a lot. I think, I think I was able to move 
into it, into copywriting. I'm a primarily a cop. I'm a copywriter. I'm not even going to say primarily like my art director laugh if I was like, occasionally I don't even, I just write. But, um, I do think what it's, you know, I had studied it a long time before. And I do think the things that really helps me with are I can generate ideas quickly and I don't agonize over whether or not they're right. I figure it out later, but I'm like, let's just get a bunch of ideas and then we'll figure them out rather than like, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm much more like put it down, you know, like it all works. And I, I do feel like it's left me less precious in my work, which I think has been really valuable. And, and I don't know, I'm maybe other people, <laughs> maybe that's a downside, but I do feel like it's been able for me to like I've been able to generate a lot of stuff a lot faster and not and not like agonize over every little thing and just be like, you got to make some decisions, you know, like yeah. there's a billion ways this could turn out and this is the way it is right now. So no, I think that's great. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Just throw a bunch of ideas at it. And like you said, it's a skill that you really hone with improv that makes that even easier with copywriting. So I think that makes a lot of sense. I think that's a great way to go about it. Yeah. And like you said, there's always time to go back and see what you spit out that actually is worth hanging on to and developing further. And I like that you said it, it makes you less precious about things. Like, yeah, whatever. You know, we can just yeah. use that one and move on with this one. Right. I mean, and that's the thing, right? Because, I mean, how many times have we been in something where you craft just the perfect, perfect thing according to you? And then they're like, no, this doesn't work. <laughs> you know? Right. Like, no, it like, does. No, but it it's does. And the best. Yeah, exactly. And so I, it is crazy, though, because I do think the other thing that improv makes you very that forces you to you have to listen so and like and react so like i do think in a brief i'll be like i'll have ideas like i mean and everybody does too but i'm like i'll have ideas off of the brief and sometimes those are the ideas that i end up being the strongest ones that are ones that i was like oh this was like one of my first or second ideas and i think improv does make you kind of become more decisive and be like what do i really think what's funny about this what's good about this you know you have to make decisive decisions off of the information that you're given I like that. In a sense, improv forces you to focus. Yeah. Which can be hard at times. Yeah. <laughs> Especially no, like if you're sitting in a big conference room with 20 people. Uh, yeah. It's not hard to drift for a moment. But yeah, like you're saying, you have to focus or you're not going to be ready with the yeah. joke that you needed that exactly. given second that people exactly. are waiting for. And it's also like, I do feel like I everything when you're out there with somebody else it's like if we don't make each other look good and make this work we're we both lose neither one of us is gonna make it out of this you know so you kind of every idea one of the things they treat you is like every treat everything like it's great you know even if there's an idea that you kind of think is like well that's not as funny as but it's like who cares it's the idea that we have and so we'll we'll spin it into gold if we like put enough on it you know so um, I think that's also helpful. At least I found in brainstorm situations where I'm sure you've been in those brainstorms where it's like, why are we still talking about this idea? Let's move on. You know, <laughs> right. That's the point of the brainstorm is, uh, to get a bunch of ideas, right? right? Not, not just... to write one idea. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I know that's, I've been in those where it's like, let's, let's keep going guys. <laughs> we got 15 minutes left. Or when somebody else starts to comment on somebody else's idea, that's, I'm like, come on, let's keep moving. <laughs> keep right, going. Exactly. Like, we'll figure it all out. Anyway, so I was also wondering, uh, again, just kind of comparing work and the podcast. And you touched on this before with the Zoom, you know, closing your laptop and then opening it again to jump into the next thing. But what's that like just in general, pandemic or not? 
um, you know, going through a day of meetings, writing ads, rewriting ads, going to the meetings, and then going to record an episode. Do you find it it's refreshing after that, like staying creative or is it ever exhausting or, or is it just like, oh, good, now I can go do this fun thing and you're more energized. And does that energy then just go right back into work the next day? I would say um, with Zoom, it's definitely felt like the gym or exercise where it's been like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And then I'm doing it and it's fine and I'm having a good time. And then after it's over, I'm like, I'm glad I did that. You know, like it's been like kind of the equivalent of going on a run where I don't want to do it. And then I automatically feel better the next day and I'm glad I did it, you know? So that's kind of, yeah, that's how it's felt. And, and before it was kind of something more that I looked forward to. Um, and now we're starting to meet back together again, which is really fun. And I'm looking forward to that. And, you know, but yeah, it was, it was like going to the gym. It's always worth it, right? Yeah, it, it is. Well, you mentioned you're in the final season. Yes. Season five. What's next? Uh, are you are you and the rest of the cast? Are you looking to do a new series together? Are you thinking of something totally different? Any any thoughts or plans yet? Yeah, we haven't really. I would. I think it's right now we're sort of in the mode of like, I, yes, I would definitely do something with them. We have no idea what it would be. The reason that we're stopping is, you know, there's just a myriad of reasons. It's just we want to make sure that we stop when it feels good and it's like we're at the top of our game and it's, and everybody, everybody is, uh, you know, there's six people, seven, including our sound engineer and people are, a few of them are in the entertainment business. And so that's definitely a business where you can get a job kind of suddenly and that'll take you away and that'll be a very, you know, work intensive job. And then, you know, we have people starting families and, and that's its own kind of challenge. So we were like kind of saying we're lucky that we've managed to stay together and be able to put this out consistently for five or, you know, four or five years. And so I think we're just going to kind of finish this up and then start thinking about, is there another project for us? You know, is this, this configuration, is this, this type of thing? Like, what do we want to do next? But I would definitely work with that whole group again. So we don't really have an answer, I guess, is my answer. We're just kind of going to stop and then maybe take a rest and then kind of pick back up with each other and be like, how's everybody feeling? What does everybody want to do? Yeah. I imagine you'll, you'll find something cause you'll want to still have something where you can go be creative outside of the writing. I mean the copywriting specifically. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, you know, I've always had a, that creative outlet. And so I, I don't know what I would do if yeah, <laughs> I'm sure I'll be needing it. So I'll probably be begging, be like, well, please, this, I'll come over to your house and record something. Just let's do something, you know? Yeah. And, and the good news is you'll be, I imagine you'll be back on stage in front of live people again soon. I hope so. Well, I, yeah, I mean, this might be a little womp womp, but uh, I had kind of stopped doing stuff at UCB. And so I was excited to be doing stuff with the podcast and then UCB in, in New York has actually closed over the, during COVID like permanently. So it's just oh, in Los bad. Angeles now. So there's, there are new theaters sprouting up and new opportunities, but yeah, the podcast, one of the things I really loved about the podcast was like, Oh wow. Like this is such a, it's a new form, you know, to do improv and that's really fun. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'll probably be doing a new project soon. Hopefully. 
Well, thanks, Winston, for joining us and sharing all this with us, everything about the podcast. It's really interesting to hear, and it's amazing. Uh, the success you've had is just awesome. So congratulations on that again. It's terrific. Thanks. Yeah, it's a blast to do. And and it's, it's yeah, it's really, it's fun to come on and talk about this because it is sort of like, I don't know, I don't get to talk about my day job and my kind of side project at the same time. So it's kind of a cool thing and see how they kind of feed into each other. Yeah, and they always do, which I think is so oh, cool. It's, yeah, it's absolutely. good how one helps the other. Definitely. Keeps you going. Cool. Well, like I said, we'll look forward to seeing what comes next for you and wish you the best. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Besides Ads. And thank you, Winston Knoll. We'll end with an ad for him. Winston's work can be found at winstonnollcopywriter.carbonmade.com. And that's Noel, N-O-E-L. And Mission of Zix can be heard across the galaxy wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow him on LinkedIn or on Twitter where he's simply at Winston Noel. Besides Ads is brought to you by me, Mark Hartsman. You can see my work at markhartsman.com or follow me on LinkedIn. The theme song was written by Steffi Copeland, an ACD copywriter. See her work at stefficopeland.com. And the logo was designed by Rich Wallace, a GCD art director, whose work can be seen at richwallace.myportfolio.com. And additional editing and sound design was done by James Archer. Until next time, go make something.